Welcome to the no werehog zone. <laughs> well, welcome to the no day stage zone. For real, actually. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the complaining. Swing, swinging right out of the gate. The yeah. Instant complaining. <laughs> they do start you on day stages, by the way. They do, yeah. They do. Which I think is the they right you, decision. They give you that taste and then just give you. Uh, uh, um, but they also start you, with, you don't like to eat. with really slow tutorials. Yeah. They're not. It's the tutorials are not slow. It's the loading times between them. That's that's really what it is. Is that each thing that you have to do from jumping to homing attack to drift? Like we're talking about their... Sonic Unleashed. My name is Steven. I'm Isaiah. I'm Charlie. Specifically, the standard definition version on the Wii and the PS2, developed by our good friends at Dimps. Dimps. Sorry to cut you off, Isaiah, but I felt it might help for context to know what game we're playing. It was important for you to for you to say that because there are two versions of this game. We're playing the 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 lower production value version, the one where you can't physically explore the villages. But yeah, that one. Yeah. So, continue on with the tutorial. Yeah. So, like each each individual mechanic has its own stage associated with it, which is like. It's about a 30 second long stage where that's the thing that you do. But then also there's a minute and a half of load times and like countdowns and like victory screens. And that sucks. There is also a message from Chip at the beginning of each of them that stops you and then he tells you what you can do. Yeah, like if, if you're going to pause the level to tell you what button to press, you might as well fit all of the mechanics into one stage. Anyway. It's kind of the same exact thing from Secret Rings. Yeah, and it sucks. I think it's... You know what? I actually think it's better than Secret Rings. Only because it does not have the shitty Secret Rings music loop that plays at the end of each <laughs> mission. That's true. I was going to say it kind of cheapens the victory music, but I, I don't actually think that... Um, <laughs> it was just the thing you were thinking about saying. I was like, when I was playing through the tutorials for the second time, because I, so I was originally playing this on the Wii, but on my Wii U, because the, my AV cables are a little funky, uh, but the, but the motion controls were so frustrating that I started over, uh, on the Wii with funky AV cables so I could use the GameCube controller to play. Yeah. I I just got used to using the motion controls. They're not that bad. And it was like, I was like halfway through the tutorial the second time when I heard victory music and I was like, this means nothing to me. <laughs> I have yet to feel a real victory. <laughs> I think the victory music means more when you get an S rank. Oh, yeah. Also, I am the only one of us who played this on the PS2. Yeah. Yes. Which is funny. Because I play, I was the only one to play the PS2 version of Sonic Rider Zero Gravity. Yeah. Also, don't we do all own PS2s, right? Yes. Okay. I thought Isaiah owned one, but I could not remember for sure. But you guys also already owned the game for Wii? Or Isaiah did. Charlie, did you buy this for the show? Yeah, I bought this for the show. I bought both versions for the show. I did too. I require. I did not need to buy either version as I already had them. <laughs> I already had them both, 
which is kind of sad, actually, because I bought this game for the Wii as a child. Isaiah, the fact that you're doing a Sonic podcast right now is sad enough. <laughs> <laughs> Got him? And then I was I was curious about the PS3 version, and I borrowed the copy from a friend. And then after a month, they were like, oh, yeah, you can keep it. I don't need it back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, now I have it's both cursed. versions. Yeah, I'd say this is the first major Sonic release that we've covered that I have not ever played up until now. Incredible. This is this is maybe the one I have spent the most time playing after Sonic Adventure 2. That's wild to me. Even compared to Sonic Adventure? Or Sonic Heroes? Uh, I, I mean chronologically after Sonic Adventure 2. Oh, I see. Which Heroes is still chronologically after Sonic yeah, Adventure. Yeah, right? more, more so than Heroes, for sure. What about Shadow the Hedgehog? Ah, no, maybe I spend more time playing Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> Does Shadow the Hedgehog count as like a major release for the Sonic That's, that Shadow the Hedgehog is Sonic Adventure 3. Right. No. But also this game is Sonic Adventure 3. <laughs> I mean, this game is called Sonic World Adventure in Europe. Yeah. So the game is split up into three, like, where, uh, so you go to a town, and the town is, like, it's got, like, a, not a map, but, like, an overview, like, a bird's eye view of the town, um, and... A map? Yeah, you know, the, the town... Yeah, I mean, isn't a bird's eye view just kind of a map? Well, no, the term map in a video game refers to something different than it does in real life. Yeah. I guess that's fair. It's more like, here's a screen showing you the whole town, and there are a couple of, like, places of interest. I mean, it's literally a visual novel, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, And you gotta go to places of interest and talk to NPCs until they point you in the right direction to the temple. And then you go to the temple, and there's some content there, but most of the time you're going to be walking directly forward into uh, the actual, like, core gameplay stages. Yeah, uh, so essentially it's much closer to Sonic Adventure 2 as opposed to Sonic Adventure, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah, that's exactly right. Kind of, I guess. There's no talking to people in Sonic Adventure 2, bar the cutscenes, but imagine you have to talk to four dudes on the map before you get the node that is actually play a damn level. Yeah. Well, it, it sucks because <laughs> you play a couple of levels and then it pulls you out of that so that you can go back into visual novel land... Um, Oh, and also I should say the world map is actually the globe that you're, like, like spinning and rotating and selecting a city there. Yeah. Um, you can yeah. scroll through the whole globe and then you pick a town or city, and then in that town or city is, like, a set of five or six more nodes, and each node has an NPC associated with it. Yeah. Usually. Uh, yeah, sometimes Chip, who we'll talk about more in a little bit, is just like, eh, there's no one here. <laughs> and Yeah, and that's it. The The menu navigation in this game is, like really slow like yeah it, it's not that annoying to actually navigate but it just takes forever after you select a thing like ah, try using it with a wii remote <laughs> oh, yeah God. i can imagine i feel like this this was the the couple of years where gaming was like we can make our menus look good so we'll do it and then it took them a couple years to be like oh no they don't play good <laughs> 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 they look great but they take forever <laughs> Theoretically, I really enjoy this menu system because I think the planet 
is super cool. Like, it's nice to see the world, and at the beginning of this game, a laser gets shot at it, and it literally just blows into pieces. Yeah. And I think it's cool to see those pieces floating around, and it's neat to pick your town. Yeah. But everything after that just kind of takes too long. Yeah. Although it should and be... Sometimes you'll get a little tornado sequence, just like seeing the plane go around the globe. Yeah, whenever you transition to countries. Well, it's, yeah. it's frustrating because whenever whenever a menu comes up, it has to, like, they have to play an animation of it coming up, and then you select something. And you hear a sound effect, and you see, like, the whole menu, like, flash and, like, close, and then the next thing happens. But it's it's not even that it takes a long time. It's just that, like, there are enough menus in the game that the, like, half a second or whatever that it takes stacks up. Yeah, it's not that any individual input takes a long time. It's just you know, for a full second you're waiting, and when you do that five times, you know, you're waiting five seconds plus however long it takes for you to figure out what you want to do, when all you used to do to play a Sonic game was hit the start button and you were immediately playing the damn game. Yeah. I mean, even even Sonic Adventure, you hit the start button and then you have to choose between... Uh, two to three story modes, and then you're you're just playing. Okay, so you mean Sonic Adventure two? Uh, sorry, did I say Sonic Adventure? Yeah, I apologize. Gotta be careful. Sonic Adventure two is a little worse about it because you select a character and then they do a little dance. No, that's the original Sonic Adventure. Did I say Sonic Adventure two that time? All right, we need <laughs> you need to you need to be very careful as a help me. <laughs> just say Sonic Adventure DX and Sonic Adventure two battle. You're right. That's you're right. Way easier to differentiate. My my favorite thing about Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, like, looking back, is that you hit the start button, and it's like, boom, here's the pause screen. And then you hit the start button again, and it's like, boom, here's the gameplay. Like, there's nothing, nothing's fancier than it needs to be, you know? Yeah. It, it looks a little worse, but it plays so much better. I do also think that if you are going through the game like a normal person, and you're not trying to ace every level 100%, it kind of feels a little easier to kind of get in the groove of the story or whatever story there is and get into a sort of rhythm where you're playing a stage for a little bit and then you relax and just talk to a bunch of random people. And then yep. you play a stage for a little bit and then you relax and talk to a bunch of random people. And then when you go back to play more stages and try and get the perfect scores and grab all the extras, you can do that through a stage select that is on the globe menu. You never even have to go into the secondary like talking to people in the town menu. That's true. Right. And if you're doing, say, a night stage, like, you usually play night stages, like, three times in a row, and say you get a game over on the second one, you can just go to the map and start the second stage instead of going through the whole motion thing. Yeah. Also, the the other cool part of that also is that when you die and have to, like, go out back to the main menu and then you try to hop back into the stage, if you beat it then, it will scoot you immediately into the third act. Or, you know, however you want to put it. And it yeah. kind of just pulls you right back into the loop, which I enjoy. Yeah. I think I think the game the game is pretty good at expediting some of the processes. It's like it's just that that particular like talk to people I don't feel like is is particularly engaging to be something that you're spending a lot of time doing. Yeah. I think that it's not optimal. But to me, I didn't feel like I had to talk to everyone all the time. That was only kind of the in the beginning of the game. But later on, they make it pretty clear who's important to talk to and who isn't. Yeah. And a I, lot of the time, it's just talking to Mr. Pickle. I mean, Professor Pickle. <laughs> I remember talking to some NPC, and they were like, Oh, you must be the chosen one. In that case, I think you should have this. 
and he just gives you something that you need in order to come in order to continue the story and i'm like this is not like don't do this if you're not gonna try uh you must be the chosen one chosen one by a2 starts playing <laughs> no no <laughs> The Shadow the Hedgehog comes out, and he's like, yeah, I am. And then he grabs the tablet and just bolts. <laughs> wow, that would make this game much more interesting. He's just like, chaos control, and then he slaps Sonic, like, open palm across the face. <laughs> I do I do like the bit that Shadow is like, no, 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 I'm going to save the world. Yeah, like he's saving the world out of spite. <laughs> And I respect that this game wants to give you differences in kind, because you have day stages and night stages and this third bit that is neither of those two. Yeah, it's it's a cooldown to interact with NPCs, which is what you guys liked in Sonic Adventure. <laughs> what I liked in Sonic Adventure was the fact that it was, like, talking to NPCs was optional, and exploring the world was the, was the bit, was the difference but in But because kind. it's not optional, the NPCs look more interesting, and were designed by, a. Uh... Guri Hiru, who is a fairly well-known artist. She's done art for Marvel Comics, and... Allow me to say that I hate the way the NPCs look. But you can't claim they aren't distinctive. They are definitely yeah. distinctive, and I can't... Like, I lack the vocabulary to explain why I hate the way they look. They don't look like Sonic characters, for one. You know what I think it is? Is that it's pictures of 3D characters, like in motion like it's still images of people moving uh yes a visual novel yeah so your problem is specifically with this version of the game i think it's this version because when they're in motion in in the like hd version of the game i'm like this is fine i guess i'll just have to see because like i said i haven't played that version yet although i will say that i hated a few of the characters designs but others i was totally fine with yeah, some of them I was I was fine with, but some of them I was like, this is, I hate looking at this. But for the most part, just the idea of Sonic talking to people and them interacting with him like he's not a giant blue hedgehog that can run really fast, weirds me out. <laughs> it gets it gets even weirder because he is a werehog half of this game. And sometimes, sometimes they're like, wow, you look different. And sometimes they're like, I've never met you in my life, but I'm going to treat you exactly the same way. So, speaking of the Werehog, I think we should maybe dive into that for a little bit here, now that we yeah. brought it up, and it's all out in the open. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the the Werehog in the room. So, at the top of this game, like we said, a giant laser gets shot at Earth, or not Earth, like Sonic Earth, and it gets split into pieces. <laughs> but the person who fired this laser is Eggman, and he uses, like, the positive energy of the Chaos Emeralds to shoot a laser... And all that's left is, like, emptied-out gray emeralds, kind of similar to the way they looked in Sonic Adventure when he went supersonic after Chaos went perfect chaos. That's what it reminded me of, anyway. Yeah. And after this, Sonic transforms into a beast and then is launched into space. And he apparently doesn't die. He doesn't die because his fall gets interrupted by a protective bubble. Like, there's that, a narrative reason true? he doesn't die. Wait, that happens? Yeah, so... Was I just not paying enough attention, or is that not explained until later? First, I would like to say there is uh, narrative precedence for a Sonic character surviving freefall from, from space. Yes, but there's uh, also narrative precedent for its Shadow the Hedgehog dying in the sun, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, dying but in the also, atmosphere, not the sun. <laughs> but also, uh, in, in the first cutscene that plays after that one, 
uh, Sonic wakes up mid freefall and he's in a bubble. The bubble pops and then he resumes his fall and then lands face first on the ground. I completely forgot about that. I must have just written it off as like cartoon physics or something. So it's it's gonna come up later in the story, but like mostly it's just, hey, we need a reason for why Sonic didn't die. I feel like they could have just <laughs> let him slam into the ground as a werehog and then show him untransform and then be like, oh, the werehog is just more durable. Yeah, which which it definitely is. Anywho, yeah, so the, the werehog is a thing. Sonic gets transformed into a werehog somehow, and we kind of can assume, based on how the intro cinematic is shot, that he gained some sort of dark energy from this unnamed beast, which later gets named Dark Gaia. <laughs> yeah. Also, I would like to say, they took Sonic the Hedgehog and then made him more of a furry. He's very furry. Yeah. He gets he gets extra furry. Also, as a werehog, he's not fast, but his hands are all stretchy. Yeah, we'll get more into that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But so the main gimmick of this game is that there are quote day stages where you play a pretty traditional 3D Sonic game, and there are night stages well... where you play a beat 'em. Okay, it is comparatively traditional to the night stages. Well, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this will probably become more evident. Once we get to the HD version of this game, but we're kind of beating around the bush to say, all right, because we're this is a game that is reinventing the formula for a, it's gonna for for the future it will for a while. You know what I'm saying? Well, like the boost gameplay was only a 2D game in the Rush games, and now it's in the 3D space, and it's kind of staying for a while, and. I feel like we need to state that because we're no longer going to be just like well, we moving around. We haven't gotten into the nitty gritty of the day stages though. Yeah, but I just because we, we're describing them, it's just kind of like. Well, I, I just wanted to mention gotta go the fast the dichotomy. Because <laughs> here's the thing: like again, compared to the night stages, the day stages seem pretty traditional. And I think that if you're coming into this game after having played a few Sonic games you're not going to notice the huge differences in the day stages as much when you're playing the night stages. You know what sure. I mean? Like, it, it, I guess if the this had just been a whole game of day stages, people would have probably been more weirded out, but because it was day stages juxtaposed to these strange night stages, I think a, a lot of people are more forgiving of the day stages yeah. and more negative on the game as a whole in a weird way. Mm -hmm. But essentially, the day stages are sonic gameplay and the night stages are a beat-em-up slash hack and slash it, it's a generally combat focused game style right isaiah were you done with your segment describing the uh sort of loop yeah i think this is the perfect uh time to talk about how the the day stages work that's you charlie right sorry day stages <laughs> so i've already so i i always forget there's a docket i'm gonna be honest <laughs> <laughs> i know that's why okay so yeah as i've just this is a very different 3D Sonic game compared to, well, what was left in Sonic 06, <laughs> which was the last remnant of the Sonic Adventure. Oh, God. It's been like a couple of years since a 3D Sonic game before this. Two years. So not that much? I think the best way to do this would be to first compare it to Sonic Adventure 2 and maybe even Heroes. Okay. And then discuss maybe some of the cues that it actually took from 06, because I think there are a few. So, so first of all, because I played with motion controls, I need to ask you guys a question. Go ahead. Yeah. When you jump, how do you do a homing attack? Uh, the same button. 
Yeah, I press X, and then when I'm ready to homing attack, I press X again. You press A Amazing. and then A again. Yeah, the mo I, it, Amazing. it makes no... It sucks. I will not touch that right now. I will wait till we cover the <laughs> HD version. I did not expect that. You have to shake the rear, rear mode to do it, so it's not it's not technically the same for me. Unless I do hit jump again, and I just didn't try it. We should have had, like, a segment in our docket on control schemes, because it's a whole thing. It's not that important, but... The main difference between this and a Sonic Adventure is the adding of boost, which, again, was in the Sonic Rush games, but now we're in 3D most of the time. I think that's the main, like, control difference. Yeah. There, I think there are a lot of differences in just the philosophy of the level design, but we can get to oh, that in a minute. Oh, sure, sure. Like, it's a lot more forward. Like, you don't really have a whole lot of time to, like, stay in one place comparatively. yeah. yeah. It's almost like that's why there's only one, like, day stage for every three night stages because, like, you have to render so much because Sonic is going so fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, there's just so much that you can't see, but it's just going, going, going. Day stages are really long. It's just that you go through them so quickly that they, they are short to play. Yeah. And thus, yeah. there's probably, like, like n night stages are such a huge bulk of this game just because it's so much cheaper to produce content for night stages like yeah. in in terms of the amount of time you'll spend playing them and the stages feel like more narrow kind of yeah yeah i'd agree like you ha you have maybe a few more open spaces when you're like going to do a cool drift turn you want to have a lot of space or like say in chunan dragon road where you got this like large water space that you're going to boost over or something but other than that you have like hallways with some like upper and lower paths which is honestly kind of a design philosophy very close to the original sonic games that i'm only now understanding is in a modern game which is kind of cool yeah i think the way i would describe it is that this game feels like a combination of the old 2d sonic games and the mock speed segments of sonic 06 yeah yeah but I think it's a lot more refined than the mock speed stages of Sonic 06. I actually oh, really enjoy the day stages in this game. Right. And I honestly kind of didn't use boost that much. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's not that weird. I guess... Well, I guess I'm comparing to Rush because you have, like, single blocks that you use instead of, like, a consistent meter. You have, like, boost stocks, and you have to pay one stock to boost for five seconds right. or however long. But sometimes I just don't use it, especially in, like, the submissions that you have to do after the main stage oh, where you, yeah. like, have to get rings or cannot break uh, pieces of ice or pots. Yeah. In which case, I just don't boost. The The thing is, is that if you, if you touch a wall, you're no longer boosting. So you've spent a whole unit and gotten very little, like, payoff. And also, while you're boosting, your ability to turn is severely limited. Unless you drift. Yeah, unless you, but but drifting doesn't that also interrupt your boost? No, no, it doesn't. Oh, at least not in my experience. I think there are. This is kind of the minutia of the day stages. So I, if we're gonna talk about this, I want to mention some things about the controls of this game that differ from previous 3D Sonic games. Yeah, or not the controls like as in buttons, but specifically the physics of how Sonic moves are very different in this game. Oh yeah. For one, you have an additional sort of concept, which is the sidestep. And yeah. since this game, yeah. like Charlie mentioned, is a lot of running down narrow paths, you can tap L1 or R1 to move basically like two character sizes to the left or the right. Yeah, basically moving into like different lanes. 
Yeah, but it's not yeah. always... I, I kind of hate the way they treat it as lanes in some segments of this game. Like, there are a bunch of bosses in this game where there are three lanes, and it's just that, like... What is, what is the phone game version? Temple Run? Is that what it's called? Uh, Sonic Dash? No, no, I mean the phone game that started the craze of phone games where it's go yeah, left, right, up, Temple, or down. Temple, Temple Run, Run actually doesn't have lanes. But it's it's basically just this concept of, like, wait until an obstacle comes up and then do the thing that you do to avoid it. Yeah. Yeah, sidestep and whatnot. Right, or jump. In Temple Run, it's jumping, right? I've never played Temple Run. It's, I've only it's a little Sonic of both. Dash. What's the... But. Okay. But you guys are also familiar with, like, the LCD game where you play as, like, little car. Oh, my God, yeah. The... That okay. guy, yeah. <laughs> That's what this always reminded me of, and not in a good way. I do definitely hate those boss sections. They just feel yeah. like glorified quick time events to me. They don't feel super interesting, and they do not... <laughs> <laughs> glorified quick time events. Oh, can't wait, can't wait till we get to the HD version. I mean, <laughs> even this version has some less than glorified quick time events let's say yeah they're they are so much less egregious in this version yeah this this version is way better about it there's about one per day stage and then there's some in the night in the stages night, yeah yeah but they're few and far between in the night stages and you don't have too many in the day stages i love this game so much more because there's so little quick time events yeah but yeah i feel like the doing l1 and r1 just to basically avoid an attack from the enemy doesn't feel super interesting because in those segments they take away your ability to slow down or speed up. Yeah. So basically yeah. your only interaction is whether you're on the left, the middle, or the right. But I think that during the regular gameplay where you can use the sidestep to get yourself onto a path with rings or something actually feels a lot better because this game kind of controls like a racing game more so. It's a little bit harder to just take a turn, like Charlie said. The camera does not follow your back as closely. Yeah. And because of that, I think it's a lot more convenient to move yourself to the left or right while maintaining the same direction of movement. Yeah. And that wasn't something that I appreciated right away. I was trying to control this game like it was Sonic Adventure 2, but in this game you can build up speed much faster than you could in Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah, the game really wants you moving forward at all times. Yeah. Uh, and which is, you know, I, I mean, you, you described the, like, speed-up sections of Sonic 06, and it's the same, like, type of thing where... If what you want to do is turn around, you're going to have to give up a lot to do that. Yeah, and you can. Yeah. They don't take away your ability to turn around. They just heavily discourage it. Yeah. Yeah. Speed is the name of the game because it's Sonic, but this time it really means more. There are also 2D sections to the day stages, which I think personally appear in exactly the right amount of frequency for it to be, like, pleasant. Yeah, it's about one-third of every day stage, usually. Yeah. And and those actually give me a sort of a uh, Sonic Rivals vibe. Yeah. Well, it's, like Charlie mentioned, it's the sort of logical conclusion of old Sonic gameplay appearing in new Sonic games. Yeah. I definitely think that that's also, a, like, a really good way to describe it. Because there's still, I mean, there's still the, like, multiple pathways. The top one's generally better. But it yeah. requires, like reacting to hey this thing's on screen you gotta jump in time you know uh which is the sort of design philosophy of sonic rivals uh from from what i like have seen yeah but i think something i like more in this is that it feels you know in sonic rivals you have a qte frequently that decides whether or not you get to go on the top path yeah whereas in this game it feels a little bit more natural 
because frequently you're doing a homing attack, but sometimes it's just boost at the right time and you get to the top path. And I actually really enjoy those concepts. Oh, yeah. I felt that boosting in midair felt awesome in this game, much like it does in Sonic Rush. It's like a way for you to explore with speed. And you boost with the square button, right? Uh, on the GameCube controller, you boost with the Y button. I think it's the square button. That's disgusting. <laughs> well, the, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. This is li- it, That's literally the same as playing a Super Nintendo game with a there's, GameCube There's controller. basically no other button they could they could use for it, though. What does B do? Uh, B is drift. Wait, Ew! Wait, wait, B is drift? B is drift. Ew! What, what would you guys have awful. the drift button be? I'm pretty sure it's... The X button or something. Maybe the Y button. Okay, now I... Maybe the Z button, in fact. I've completely (laughs) forgotten the controls of the PS2 version. (laughs) They've completely become scrubbed in my head. Because LNR is strafe. The Wii version with motion controls is very similar to the HD version, where if you shake the remote in the air, it's either going to be a boost or a homing attack, depending on if there's an enemy in front of you. Oh, wait, wait. They're not set to different controls? See, this is what sucks about the Wii Remote Nunchuck, is that like shaking the Wii Remote is homing attack and boost. Whereas on the on all other control schemes, those are two different buttons. And they should be, because spending meter is totally different from locking onto an enemy, and also homing attacking while there's not an enemy around is something that I did a lot and I felt added a layer of complexity to the game that was not just another quick time event. There are Once there, again, wait until you get to the H D version. <laughs> there there are a couple of like pathways that you can take by rushing forward suddenly, which if you're using the Weird Mote Nunchuck requires having boost gauge and it does not on the GameCube controller. So you're in an objective advantage in a lot of cases if you're using one control scheme over the other, even if you factor in the fact that motion controls are imprecise. Yeah. Another couple of things that I'd like to mention about the day stage gameplay is that I don't know if you guys felt this, but I felt the inspiration from some of Dimp's other Sonic games and the fact that, for one, you start each stage running right away. You don't start just standing still. Yeah. There is also a countdown before you start a stage, which makes it feel more like a racing game. And this game does something that I don't think any Sonic game has done before, where it records your splits in level segments. That's so it'll, right. it'll show you at, you know, it's usually about, like, the fourth, like, a quarter mark, where if you... No, I think the Sonic Adventure games do this as well. But I could be wrong about that. I don't think that's the case at all. You mean, are you just saying that it records how much time it took you to get to a checkpoint? Yeah. Because it doesn't show you that. What I'm talking about is that it surfaces the time that it takes you to get from oh, one point to another. I understand what you mean. Like, it, it yeah. like almost divides the stage into laps. It does, actually. It completely divides the stage, not into laps, but segments. Yeah. Much like, you know, a regular speed run would be divided, or in a marathon race, you have checkpoints, and time is tracked based on that. Yeah. And I think these splits really help with trying to nail the timing on certain things and it tells you whether or not you should restart a run and it also tells you how you're improving over certain like kinds of play basically because usually the 2d segments have a split right before and right after so you can tell exactly how good you're doing at the 2d version of the game and exactly how good you're doing at the 3d version of the game and then at the end you see you know your various improvements on certain segments of the level so you can get a new best record on just the first part of the level if you're playing it for a second or third or fourth time. I, I I did really appreciate that when I saw, like, 
each different section, I got a new record on that time. So if I wanted to replay and do better in that section specifically, I could go for that. Yeah, I feel like those two things, the starting with a countdown and running and also it showing you your splits, really drive home the idea that this is more of a racing game than a platforming game. Yeah. Well, and and uh, we'll, we'll talk about, like, the rank you get in this, in this game mode is dependent solely on how long it took you to beat the stage. Yeah, that's, and I think, I'm... the last sort of, you know, piece to complete the idea that this is just a racing game and less a platformer like Sonic Adventure 2 or Heroes might be. It's, it's built in a way that really encourages replaying it. Because, you know, it, it shows you your time for each section. It ranks you based on, like, how fast you were overall. So once you get a, a non-perfect rank, you can, like try and speed yourself up in certain like sections and see how well you're doing at that. And also the stages are built in a non-linear way where there's multiple paths and some paths are faster than others. And so you want to sort of like replay the stage over and over to figure out like where to go and also how to go there quickly. Yeah. The last thing that I sort of want to go over is some of the minutiae with the boosting. Because like we've mentioned, boosting in this game is based on stocks and not a full boost meter that you can just burn at will. Right. Do you guys like that system or do you think it's just objectively worse than the boost meter from, you know, the Sonic Rush games and also the HD version of this game? I mean, I feel like it works for the Wii version with the motion controls because just shaking your remote to do a single boost, just it makes sense. Yeah. If yeah. I play this on the PS2 or with the Game Future, maybe I wouldn't feel that way, but like... Again, there's so few of these stages that, like, I I haven't been given enough room to care. Yeah. This this game this game just feels like it's purely the Werehog stages, and then the Sonic boosting is just, like, a small part of that. Did you replay Day Stages very much, Charlie? No. Okay. I, I, I really just wanted to get through the story because... That's why I play Sonic games. <laughs> I just didn't really find that much of a need to replay the stages because they didn't seem as interesting. And maybe I just don't like the motion controls and I'm just lying to myself. But I'll, I'll talk more about the motion controls when we get to like the, the night stages. Let me put it that way. Yeah, because I was going to say that if you look at this game as it is one Sonic day stage to every three uh, Werehog night stages... I could understand how you would feel like it's really kind of pointless to even try with the Sonic stuff. But to me, I played a night stage once, and then I played it maybe a second time to get the S rank. But frequently, I was able to just get an S rank on the night stage in one try, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But with the Sonic stages, I almost never got an S rank on my first try. I don't think any of my first runs I got an S rank in. And then frequently, I would have to play the stage five or six times. And once you've done that six times, you've spent more time playing the one Sonic Day stage than you have on all three of the Sonic Night stages, or the Werehog Night stages, for a specific, you know, country or but city is probably the best word. Yeah. I think continent is is what they call it, even though that's not entirely true. I mean, there's a continent, and then there's a country, and there's like a village, I think. Is that how, isn't that how it works? I think the village is the only name that gets surfaced, and then it's just called First Continent, Second Continent, and then the stages yeah. have their own names like Rooftop Run or Dragonfall. Right. It's very unclear, and I have no idea if the HD version is more clear. It's not. But <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I felt that the day stages 
did a really strong job of making me want to do better, just because of how much they surfaced about your success in the stage, and how kind of stringent, or not stringent, but strict, the S-rank requirements were. Yeah, and it shows you, like, oh, oh yeah. you missed the A time. I mean, you missed the S time, now you got A time. Yeah, like, it'll it'll play a sound effect when your rank goes down mid-stage. It also, it shows you up in the corner what letter rank you would get if you finished the stage right now, and exactly how much time you have to beat to get a specific rank, which is something I've wanted from the Sonic games for so long. Yeah. Is like a timer that tells you exactly how well you're doing, and I think that's super cool, because it, again, is one more thing to tell you, hey, you're doing well, you can do better, or, you know, you really need to work on this part because it's where you're losing all of your time. I, I find that I consistently, like, get a rank down during the final stretch of the stage, where it's like, all right, you beat the, the stupid lane boss, now you're just running, like, until we get to the end of this rope, because we gave you a lot of land to beat the boss with, and then I get a rank down while I'm on that stretch. Yeah, but that only happens, like... There's only a dumb mini-boss at the end, like, one out of three day stages, it seems. Yeah, I think that's about right. It's not super common. I, I do think those bosses reduce my uh, likelihood to replay a stage, though. That's for sure. I think they suck. I think the bosses, especially the ones where you are just locked into lanes, and it's like, dodge left and dodge right, and then mash the boost button until you win, it, it doesn't feel fun. And it doesn't feel like the exploitability by design is there for those bosses. Yeah. It feels like it's just a 30 seconds at the end of the stage that you cannot do any faster or better. Yeah. And I think there is a little bit of variation, but it's just, it doesn't feel like that. But I would like to say that I think the exploitability by design is very present during the just straight up running parts of the stage. Because boosting can do some weird stuff with the environment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you can boost over pits. You can boost over entire obstacles. You can... <laughs> boost break things yeah you can boost through items and enemies and you can also use boost to get to places that you normally should have to homing attack for yeah if you time it well uh there's also a good bit where if you boost and you hit a wall at like a nearly like right angle <laughs> you just like slam into it and fall over yeah you do you like, like the... you flatten don't you yeah i think you flatten it's really good i love yeah, it great. like i'm i'm never mad when it happens because i think it's so funny yeah, it reminds me of, like, the N64 ones with, like, Gex and Mario, where you just slap against the wall and make, like, a dumb sound. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's also cool because this game has some neat visual tricks that it does when you're boosting and stuff like that. It'll, like, change the focus of the camera. Yeah. And it'll play the music, like, the bass will be taken out of the music and the treble will be turned up a little bit, and it'll have a distortion effect on it. And then when you hit the wall, that all stops. So the camera becomes completely normal. <laughs> the music comes back and Sonic's dumb ass is just on the floor. It's it's perfectly slapstick. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Did you, did you guys ever just walk into a wall, not boosting, but just to see what would happen? Um, I don't think so. Sonic just like kind of bumps his nose into it and then takes a few steps backwards and you lose control of him for a second. <laughs> it's like, He's like, Bunk. I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, he like disagrees with you. <laughs> I'm out of here. Also, uh, did you guys know, did you ever do this? If you hit the boost button during the countdown, uh, Sonic will do a spin dash. Yeah, that was really cool. I only did it once. I didn't know that. You mean like before the stage starts? Yeah, before the stage starts, he'll like spin in place for like maybe a quarter of a number or half a number's worth or whatever. 
but if you hit boost at the right time during the countdown, he will continue to spin dash and you'll get a free boost at the start of the stage. That's awesome. That makes it yeah. even more like a racing game. Also, uh, rip the spin dash, I guess. He also can... he also curls up into a ball if you hit a uh, speed panel. The boost... You have to do it while boosting, though. Yeah, while you're boosting. If you boost into a speed panel, he will do a spin dash. So it's kind of like there's three stages of speed. There's regular running, and then there's boosted running, whether it's boosting by yourself or boosting with a pad. And if you boost by yourself and hit a pad, you could get to the third stage, which is spin dashing. Yeah. Or spin huh. rolling, I guess. Is it called spin roll? It's just called spin roll, isn't it? Spin roll oh, is like when you're already moving. And you yeah, that's... Spin dash is like initiating it. Spin roll is a very redundant name. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we're in a real no spin dash zone right now. This is... You are allowed one spin dash per stage, and you have to time the button press correct. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty sure they get rid of that in the HD version. Oh, I'm pretty that sure that's not me. there. There is one other thing that you can do, which actually, this... Okay, now I know the controls for sure. On the PS2 version, hitting square is how you drift, and hitting O is how you dash. That makes sense. It's really weird. I don't think it's that weird, because when I'm hitting O, or sorry, when I'm boosting, I'm not really trying to do anything else. I'm usually trying to boost through a straight stretch, and if I'm coming up on a turn, I want to drift. So I think it's good that they're on opposite sides of the controller, because they're very different ways to handle a situation. And they're both next to the jump button, which is where your thumb should be at all times. Yeah. I think that if it were me, I would have put the boost button on one of the shoulder buttons. But I think that because of the sidestep, it makes sense why they would avoid that. And also, this game had to be made for the Wii. So I don't yeah. know if maybe their heads were in a different space when designing the controls. Also, sidestepping for the Wii, uh, for the for the Wii remote, means is you have to hold B and then press left and right. And it like locks your forward-backward momentum like you're on the like like you're on in the lanes so it's like yeah it's it's very weird but the thing i wanted to mention was i remembered that square is the drift button because square is also the ground pound button or the like stomp button i don't know how you want to describe it i think it's sonic in this yeah sonic in this game has a move and did he have this in 06 he didn't right no uh say the move well it's the ground pound i mentioned it i mean it's basically a replacement of the bounce attack at this point. Yeah, but essentially it allows you to stomp through certain obstacles, which sometimes there'll be like a bunch of crates in a hole and you have to stop to get through them. Uh, but it can also be used to, like, if you see a boost panel and you're about to jump over it, but you want to hit the boost panel, you can stomp into the boost panel, and I think that feels amazing. It's, there are a lot of opportunities to, like, you're homing attacking a bunch of enemies and one of them is on top of a boost panel, and you're like, yeah... I'm going to homing attack and slam immediately to get that boost. Yeah, so you don't have that sort of hang time that you would have in previous games where you hit a homing attack and you just wanted to be on the ground. Now if you want to be on the ground, you can just get right down to it. Yeah. And I really like that. And you're right, Charlie, it is pretty reminiscent of the bounce attack from previous 3D games. But I think in this game, it feels almost better to me because you don't bounce. You don't have that weird, like, immediate upwards momentum and it also is a way for you to maintain right. speed instead of lose it well it, yeah and that's that's just it works for the design philosophy of this game yeah yeah for sure it was more platform focused on song adventure 2 so that's why it was a bounce attack yeah because yeah. it was explorative in that game and in this game it's purely for speed yeah in in song adventure 2 i think you want to be in the air often because that is how you go places and in this you go places more by being on the ground 
because you have more control over your speed on the ground. Well, more control of going as quickly as possible on the ground. You can increase your velocity on the ground better than you can in midair. Yes. Unless you're boosting, which I found that once you get really good at this game and you memorize the ring locations, boosting through an entire stage also feels super good. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, the, you, the other thing is while you're boosting, you can collect rings that are farther away than normal. Yeah, it's really interesting because one thing that we talk about in Sonic games a lot is whether or not rings matter. And in this game, your ring count doesn't change your score at the end of a level, and there's no reason to collect rings that, you know, is outside of the stage you're in. Like, they don't accrue to a greater total, you know? You don't have, like, a ring wallet, if you will. But every ring that you collect fills up your boost meter, and also, kind of like in Sonic Riders, if you collect 20 or 30 rings or whatever, you will level up and get access to more, like, you'll you'll have a bigger max boost meter, I guess is the best way to put it. I think your your max speed also increases. They say that, but I never noticed that. All right. I definitely notice it from the beginning of the stage to the end of the stage, but I never notice it between levels. Yeah, incrementally. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't notice it after I get one level, because after I get that first level, I am boosting until the end of the stage. <laughs> because one cool thing that it does is once you get a level, it completely refills your boost meter no matter where it was at. Ooh. So it's kind of like leveling up in an RPG, and it caps off your health. There are a lot of... I Like, only only because of you am I realizing just how many opportunities there are for optimization in, in this game. Yeah, I think that these stages are slightly better designed than Sonic stages in Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> at least for the sake of getting through them fast and fun. I don't think they're as fun to explore as Sonic Adventure 2 Sonic stages. Yeah. But I think they're more fun to beat with an S rank. Yeah. Because it's just, it like, when you get really good at them, you're going so fast and you're doing so many tiny, what's the best way to put it? Like, you're completing these tiny challenges to get yourself going just a little bit more fast and to avoid the things that would slow you down that would be challenges. Yeah. And in this game, enemies are either a tool for you to get somewhere or an obstacle for you to boost through. And boosting through them feels way better than homing attacking them ever did for me. Oh, yeah. It's like, get out of my way, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> you are not necessary. Yeah, exactly. Should we cut it here and start talking about the night stages? Yeah, I think now is a good time. Well, actually, before we do that, thumbs up, thumbs down, the day gameplay. Thumbs up. Mm, thumbs <laughs> down, I think. All right, I'm All right. a huge I thumbs up. I love Dimp's. I think I've never liked 3D boosting. For me, I think the level design makes a huge difference for whether it's thumbs up. I mean, and, and obviously, like level design makes a huge difference in any platform or whatsoever. Yeah. But like, the level design is probably the best that it has been in a Dimps game. I think it's so focused, and you can see everything that's coming up for the most part. Like, there's a specific section in Dragon Road where I was boosting and trying to get onto this ledge uh, off oh, the water. The, like, lightning poles? No, 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 no. So there's, like, this big clearing of water, and there are, like, two entrances, two, like, ramps that go onto land. Uh, the left one, no matter how hard I try, I boost onto it, I just fall through the water. It won't let me get on there. So I have to take the right path, and I hate that. Oh, that one, you have to short hop to get onto it. Oh, I guess that makes sense. There but. was also a bit in Chunan for me, which was, this was the challenge path. So, like, I knew that going in. I also knew this was the faster path, where uh, 
in order to, like, you can either go down and go into the water, and you can run on the water, which is always a good bit, uh, but it's slower than running on the regular ground. I think um, it's the same speed if you're boosting. Uh, it might be. Uh, but alternatively, you can take the slightly higher path, which requires doing a light dash, like running on the rings. Oh, yeah, we didn't uh, mention that the light dash is in this game. Yeah, and it, they it, like, it's they never just tell there. you. <laughs> um, and the the problem is the camera angle is such that you can't tell that there's no ground underneath those rings until you're already following falling. Like the camera yeah. angle is low, uh, and there are sets of rings before that set of rings where there is ground. So like I didn't notice at first, and also if you're boosting, you can't light dash. That's true. So so that if one... I miss time the light dash because it's the same button. Then I end up boosting instead, and then I fall into the water and die. Does the light dash take you onto, like, a wall or something? It's... it's there's, like, a gap in the floor. Because I'm uh, thinking you could boost over it instead of, like, you could boost and jump at the same time. You you probably could. It's it's weird because cause the boost and the light dash button are the same, which I kind of wish weren't true. I couldn't come up with an alternate control scheme, though, because light dashing is definitely slower than boosting. I think they could just take light dashing out of the game. I don't think it needed to be here. I think it's nice that it showed up as far as a reference to previous games goes, but I don't think it actually suits any purpose in this game. Yeah. I like that it's there. And don't worry, the HD version will make it so that only certain strings are usable. Which is way worse. I think you're thinking of generations. I think that... And then they map it to a different button, and oh my god, I'm ready to talk about the HD version, but we have to wait. (laughs) (sighs) Ugh. But I do think this is the best level design in the Dimps game. Yeah, so for... But basically, I think this is also the best that a Sonic game has been at showing you what's coming up as far as the Sonic games where running forward is the only objective. Like, Sonic Adventure 2, I think, shows you what's coming up, but it's also not all about just going forward as fast as possible. Yeah. But, like... This is, like, the first game to, like, actually make going fast as possible, like, an actual rewarding experience, I would say. Uh, yeah, because even... Except maybe the Rush games, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, other Dimps games before have had record... Or not record, uh, they've had letter grades and stuff, but there's never been a huge reward for those things. Yeah, Whereas in this right. game, you're encouraged to do it for the sake of score, you're encouraged to do it for the sake of fun, and you're encouraged to do it for the sake of in-game collectibles, all three. Mm-hmm. And for that, I think it's really important that they've made a concerted effort to make sure that you would see what you had to do, and then making a single mistake doesn't kill you right away. But now I think we're finally ready to just move on to the night stages. Yeah. So the other thing that we have to talk about gameplay-wise is the night stages where you play as a werehog. But before we get to that, I want to go over this game's unlockables, which you can unlock a lot of art, a lot of music, and a few hidden documents, which are just it it seems like something between lore and helpful hints about the game they're kind of weird but they're just basically lumps of text that you can check out whenever i actually couldn't figure out where to go to see them uh for the ps2 version you hit r1 on the main menu like the the globe that you look at maybe that instruction was in the corner of the screen and i just didn't look in the PS2 version, there's a giant R1 floating on the right side of the globe, and if you hit it, it just takes you to the extras menu. That checks out. 
But yeah, there's some odds and ends you can unlock, and it's pretty standard fare for PS2 and PS3 era games, where you can just unlock some fun, like, I don't know, cut, cut like cutting room floor stuff, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Like, leftovers from the game's creation and some assets that are already in the game, like music and stuff like that. You can unlock those things, and you do that by hitting these little question mark capsules during levels. You can find them in the day stages as well as the night stages, and they're not too hard to come by, but you won't find all of them unless you're playing in a really explorative way. Yeah, in the in the day stages, they're found basically by exploring all the possible routes. Like, it generally rewards taking more challenging routes, and I think those also tend to be faster routes, too. So yeah. if you're replaying yeah. the, the stage to get a better time, you will run into them. I do find that a problem with the day stages in regards to the collectibles, though, is that they're very easy to miss. Oh, yeah, because they're, cause they're, like, thin. That's my problem with, like, these boost games and collectibles is that I'm going to miss them. Yeah, precision. they're going to be there. Precision isn't the strong suit, especially while you're boosting. I feel like it would be better if you got the... When you were boosting, you know how your hitbox for rings is bigger? Or maybe it pulls them in, however you want to interpret it. But basically, it's a wider margin of error the faster you're going. I wish that you had, like, a shockwave from your boost, and if that hit a capsule, you would pop the capsule and get the item. Well, I think even, like, for capsules, the hitbox should just be larger the whole time. Because... That's, that's true. Because cause it's tiny. Like, they're very tiny. They are the size of Sonic, if not smaller. It's like a smaller hitbox than an individual ring has, even. Yeah. It's very Which, reminiscent of rings from the Game Gear games, where they're yeah. just impossible to grab. Like, like most of the time, you're going to be on a boost pad that will, like, like, throw you directly into the castle so you'll collect it. But not every time. Sometimes it's just like, oh, well, uh, I guess I missed it, and I can't go back. Yeah. And I wish there... I think maybe if I were designing it, the way I would do it is have you get an unlockable for beating a good time on a specific split for the stage. Like, if you get to the first goalpost in one minute, you get an item. I could see that. And then that would, you know, reinforce the going fast being the strongest and most important thing. And it would also encourage you to get better at individual parts of the stage. I think I like the way it encourages exploration, though, because you'll find it, like, like you're trying to find fast routes when you're not trying to find all the collectibles. Yeah, and it's a cherry on top. Yeah, that I, I think so. I don't think it's necessarily bad. I think they could have made it more refined. Yeah. And I definitely agree with Charlie, where it feels really bad when you whiff it. It's like, yeah. what did I even come up here for <laughs> if I'm going to have to do this again later? But on the flip side, on the flip side... I really enjoy looking through night stages and finding a hidden item somewhere. Yeah. Like, it requires a little bit more precise platforming or just moving into a particular area so that a grabbable enemy spawns. Yeah, I think it's really good for the night stages because while the day stages are all about being fast and kind of avoiding things as opposed to trying to go for these precise areas... The night stages give you a little more freedom to look around, and they also have a few more mechanics that are encouraging for just maneuvering around this 3D diorama-esque environment, and it really rewards you for poking around the odds and ends and little corners and nooks and crannies. It's very strange that I'm finding a lot more enjoyment of what I like in Sonic games in the night stages, aside from the combat, 
compared to the Sonic, I mean, to the day stages. Yeah, I mean, if you sped up the gameplay of the night stage a little bit, it would feel like a Sonic Adventure 2 level for no yeah. particular yeah. character. I agree with that. It'd feel like a like an Amy level in Sonic Adventure. Yeah. So, <sighs> the abilities of the Werehog are largely focused on combat. You can use your stretchy arms to punch enemies that are kind of far away, further than you would think Sonic could punch. Because when you think werewolves, you think stretchy arms. It's super weird. <laughs> they just, like, had to give this gimmick. It's... I remember when I first, like, heard of this game, I was like, why did they make Knuckles be the combat guy? And the stretchy arms is probably why, but still. Yeah, my thinking was that they wanted this game to be, like, God of War. And in that yeah. game, you have stretchy swords. For I mean, they're, yeah. like, chain swords, but... I've never played God of War, so... I'll take your word for it. Essentially, it's a gameplay mechanic that makes it so that you have a ranged melee weapon. So it still feels meaty to hit the enemies and it feels purposeful. Less so than a... Or, like, more so than a gun might. But you can also still fight things from far away. So it's very empowering for the player. But in this game, Sonic can punch with his left hand or punch with his right hand. And on the PS2, that is square and circle, respectively. I don't know. It's like shaking the Wii Remote and the Nunchuck, right? Does that feel weird? Uh, square and circle? Yeah, because, like, I don't know, it's like I would probably expect to use, like, square and triangle or something. So triangle, kind of thing. triangle is the special button. It's for special attacks, which is actually just like Dynasty Warriors. You have square for your regular attacks, and you have triangle for your sort of character unique moves. Question, is the Wait, special, special attack moves? the, like, ground slam? The special attack is different things depending on where you are, but yes, if you're just standing in neutral and you hit triangle, Sonic will do an uppercut and then slam the ground and it's an AoE okay. type deal. That's that's okay. on on the Wii version, that's hitting both attacks simultaneously. That, yeah. That sounds horrible. So, okay, here's the thing. I probably already mentioned that these are not the kind of games I like, just the whole combat I really just enjoy just kind of flailing my arms with the Wii Remote and Nunchuck <laughs> because then I just don't have to think about or put any effort into it. Yeah. It's just nice, mindless fun. There's a joy to, like, punching or doing something like a punch in real life, and then Sonic does the same thing but cooler. It's No, it's just, like, I don't have to put much thought into it because, like, that's kind of what I hate about these combat games because I just hate thinking, putting because I hate thinking. <laughs> I don't like, oh, I gotta do square, square, triangle, circle, circle, square, circle, triangle, circle, square, and then I did that specific combo. I just like, I'm gonna flail my arms around and I'm gonna get rid of everything. Yeah. That's, that's all I care about. The combos are super simple, at least until you unlock way more. It's just left, right, left, right, left, or right, left, right, left, right. It's not even that complicated, by the way. The way it's it, not. The way it works like, is that if you start a combo with square, I'm just gonna use the <laughs> PS2 controls. If you start a combo with square, then that combo will always follow the same path no matter which button you hit after it. Interesting. So square is your crowd control. If you just mash square a bunch, Sonic will flail his arms and he'll flail them further and wider so you'll hit enemies to your left and your right. And circle is your focused damage. So you'll deal a little bit more damage to the enemy directly in front of you, but you won't be able to hit enemies on your sides. See, in in, uh, my experience, and maybe this is because on the Wii Remote and Nunchuck, if you shake the remote too much, it just goes, I don't know if that's a shake or if you just are very unstable physically. Uh, so it just so wow. it just doesn't. I, I did okay. I didn't know a better Is this way game to, ableist? to say physically. I don't know how to say 
that. Did you just in not want to say cerebral way. palsy? I like if if you have cerebral palsy, you just can't play Wii games. Like it's just you're not allowed. Yeah, and like I that don't think, sucks. But I don't think that Wii games are very good for anyone. But actually. if you if you're that's true. If you're constantly shaking the Wii remote, it just doesn't register it as a shake. It just registers that as that's how you hold the remote. Uh, yeah. So you can't shake multiple times, really. Um, so you and, prefer to do like a left, right, left, right motion. Yeah, but also on the GameCube controller, you're hitting L and R, and those are those Wait. are beefy buttons. Wait, L yeah. is like left punch and R is right punch. Yes. Oh my God! How do you block? Uh, with B. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, I. It makes sense if you make L and R the attack buttons, which to me doesn't make sense on a GameCube because you don't have enough shoulder buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if I were playing this with a PS4 controller or a PS2 controller, I don't know why I didn't mention the PS3, which is what this game is actually on, but if you're playing <laughs> this with four buttons for the shoulder buttons, I would put all of the combat on that, so you would have, like, your left punch on L1, your right punch on R1, and then blocking on L2, and... I don't remember what it actually does in the game, but there, you know, there's another shoulder button, and you press both of those into your super mode, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I think that if you're gonna do a combat game, you should have all of your attacks close together, and then all of your defensive options somewhere else. In yeah. my opinion, that makes that, sense. That is not what's happening here. No, not on either. It's actually pretty eclectic because you have the well, and and what I wanted to say is like the L and R buttons are beefy. Like it just literally takes a while to press them, so it's Gotta possible. Get that click. It's possible that I couldn't get a combo of just hitting left, 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 left over and over because I just couldn't hit the button fast enough. So yeah. I had to alternate as a way to accomplish that. Yeah, that's another thing is those buttons take forever to press. They do. On the PlayStation controller, it's way faster to just tap the bumper. It's possible that the PlayStation might be the best system on which to play this game. That is why I purchased it for the PlayStation. <laughs> I mean, I'm alternatively, fun with the Wii version. if you have a if you have a classic controller, I for think the, for the Wii. Actually, Charlie, that your argument for it's fun to if you're going to button mash through this game, it's more fun to punch the air instead of you know the classic version of button mashing. Yeah, and you mentioned like you know off recording about how the bosses are going to require some quick time events. Yeah. Like when you get to the the Kinchi boss, Dark Phoenix, Dark Gaia Phoenix or whatever. It's like you get to this cutscene where you got to attack it and it's like, "Oh, you just shake the Wii Remote Nunchuck. This is really fun. I love this. It's like playing Donkey Kong Country Returns." Yeah, it's like a boxing minigame almost. But what happens for you? What happens to you? What do you have to do? So uh, for me, it's just a face buttons quick time event thing. Yeah, same like, here. It's just it's just random each time. Yeah, like God of War style or Resident Evil five and six style. Right, and that's what I don't like about the HD version. Again, we'll get to it. <laughs> but like the fact that I could just shake my Wii remote and nunchuck, I was just like, okay, I'm having fun now. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. That the sort of what do you call it, like tactile part of it, yeah, is a one way that the Wii version could be stronger. But I. I personally enjoy the strategy of figuring out how to deal with each enemy and how to make a combat interaction go as smoothly as possible. So for me, I think the controller is way more valid for that. Right. I just, but there's no strategy in random buttons. Yeah, for sure. My problem with the motion controls was that a lot of the times it just didn't feel like it was registering my inputs the way I intended. 
but I do conceptually love I Punch and Sonic Punches. Yeah, and it feels like the game is sort of designed to encourage that almost because of how floppy Sonic's arms are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just like a gross furry destruction machine, and that's like kind of cool. That's also my band name. <laughs> oh my god. GFDM. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's how we tour. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I do love, I, like, I like it. I just, unfortunately, when I played it, I was like, this isn't, the inputs are not happening the way I am trying to get them to happen. And it was too frustrating. And it only gets more frustrating when we get into the platforming components of the night stages. Yeah, I've got a couple more things I want to add to our discussion on the combat. But before we get oh, to yeah. that, Isaiah, would you say that you're closer to me where I really specifically want to use all of my tools in each combat interaction and figure out the best way to handle each enemy? Or would you say that you're closer to Charlie where you just have more fun kind of like doing inputs as fast as possible and watching everything die? I think it depends on the game. I kind of like both, but I think I lean more towards yours where I want to use everything that I have. So would you say or like, like you came in to Sonic Unleashed trying to play Dark Souls? <laughs> I So here's what's really interesting is that because when I was a child, I was like, I'm going to hit the buttons and defeat the enemies, you know? Uh, and then uh, when I was playing today, I got to like the big monster, like not quite boss at the end of Chunan's Night Stages, right? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to do something he this man has never seen before, and I'm going to dodge his attacks. <laughs> yeah, that is the first time in the game that I think blocking is ever heavily encouraged. Yeah. Yeah, it's a godsend. <laughs> Actually, it makes the combat a lot more fun. But, like, and I feel like games Hold with Isaiah, a can bunch Can I stop of... you for a second? Please. I'm so proud of you, Charlie, for saying that blocking makes the game more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you have something that hits like a brick and has a hitbox of an even larger brick. <laughs> a brick holding another uh... brick? <laughs> <laughs> that's what hitboxes look like yeah exactly that's right? true yeah you're not wrong <laughs> it's like wow okay i gotta do something about that and i i mean maybe i don't pay attention to games enough but that's like something that was i found kind of interesting so like and fun and and we were talking earlier about how i think uh playing kingdom hearts on the hardest difficulty is the most fun for me because yeah. you have to you have to really understand all of the systems and like you have to play carefully a lot of the time and there's something about playing carefully in combat that's really enjoyable like dodging at the right time or blocking or like being like i can't just mash x i have to like navigate through my menu because this is kingdom hearts and that's how you make decisions in this game yeah i don't know um, about all that i think that kingdom hearts <laughs> is good but i think the menu navigation to attack is one of the worst features <laughs> look i like chain of memories anyway um <laughs> Like, menu navigations is your attacks in that game. But, like, when I was like, I'm going to dodge this enemy's attack, I was like, combat is fun? Yeah. <laughs> and and you don't you don't get to do that if you're fighting a crowd of smaller enemies because they're all they're all just gonna like run up to you and then just get punched. And yeah. sometimes they'll interrupt your combo and like that's it. And that's why you have some different combat tools to handle smaller enemies, which I'm going to talk about now. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa! So, this game has a feature, I'll call it, where every time you finish a night stage, based on how many enemies and obstacles you destroyed 
and there are also a few items that can give you them. You get these little red orbs that are called, like, Dark Gaia Energy or something, right? I think so. It's Force Energy, isn't it? It's Dark Gaia. It's I think it's Dark Gaia Force, actually. It's a combination of the two things we said. <laughs> <laughs> but this is your sort of experience. It's your red orbs from Devil May Cry. It's, you know, stuff like that. It's a little unit of measurement that gets you closer to leveling up. And in this game, when you level up, you don't get to choose what you get. You just unlock different things in a set order that's the same every time. And the first few things that you unlock are new moves to use in combat. So I don't remember if it's the first one that you unlock, but the first one I remember is a dash attack that you can do. So if you tap forward twice, you'll start this running animation, which is useful both for getting away from enemies and for also just exploring the overworld in general. Or not the overworld, but the stage. I don't know why I called it an overworld. But it's a good traversal mechanic. But also, if you dash and then attack and hit enemies, you'll stun them all. And you can grab them. Exactly. The next and throw them! <laughs> the next <laughs> ability that you have in combat is grabbing and throwing things. And things includes enemies, depending. So you can grab crates, and there will usually be a few crates nearby a combat section. Because the combat occurs in these little arenas that you sort of navigate between during a level. So you'll go from, like, one place and have a fight, and then you'll have to do a little platforming segment, and then you'll have another fight, and so on and so forth. And you can tell that a fight will be happening soon if you see boxes in the corner. And you can pick up these boxes to throw and deal damage to a large group of enemies if they're close together. And it's also just one of the most efficient ways to kill some of the smaller guys. But also, if you hit the enemies with the stunning attack and throw them at each other, you can sort of make weapons for yourself out of the enemies. You can kill two birds with one bird. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) Except the birds are like weird glowy dinosaurs. (laughs) Yeah. Some enemies don't need to be stunned to pick up. That's true. There are some little guys that you can throw, and there are also some enemies that you can't pick up no matter what, so you have to use some of your other abilities, like the triangle abilities that we've talked about a little bit. And there's some you can just latch onto. Yeah, there's some guys that you can use to climb around on, and you can also use them to escape, like, a bad combat situation, too. Mm -hmm. And it's also fun to smack them down. Yes, like, to jump in the air and then use the dunk attack. (laughs) It is a dunk. Yeah, so the triangle button is, like, a special moves button. So if you're on the ground and you hit triangle, Sonic will do a little uppercut, and then he'll do, like, a hand slam that is an AoE attack to kind of just get some enemies off of you, and it can also be used to destroy objects quickly. But if you do triangle in midair, instead of doing that, he'll just do this really heavy, like, what do they call it? Like an axe handle slam? What is it called? Is it called an axe handle? Something like that. But basically he just puts his fists together and then slams them downwards. And it does a ton of damage to any enemy that you hit with it. I think it's his single highest damaging attack. And it's really fun to use it against enemies that are grounded if you do, like, a little short hop and then use it right away. And that, I think, feels like some of the best combat that this game has is just positioning yourself well and then using one big attack to kill guys as fast as possible whether that attack is throwing an enemy at them or using the dunk move or you know any number of things you can do and the next ability that i want to talk about is the unleashed mode which correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like you guys didn't use it a whole ton i used it once in the entire game yeah well i mean i I didn't beat the game well yeah but you played like at least six hours of it right yeah, I, I played up to uh, Chunan's Night stages. I, I played through those. All right, and then, Charlie, how many times did you use the Unleashed mode? Like, twice. <laughs> so, I like, so I, like, forgot how to use it, and then I rediscovered it, and then, like... So, like, 
you can like not use unleash mode and get knocked out and then be revived, right? Yeah. I mean That's pretty cool. I like that. It's when you die, it basically just consumes a one up and then gives you your health bar back. It's interesting because one ups in this game feel less like one ups and more just like fairies from Zelda. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing, but it just it's a weird sort of like gaming language thing that they call them one ups even though they function completely differently. I really like the system. I'm not sure of a better way to communicate how the system works, but we'll we'll talk about that uh, once we're done talking about the night stages, because I got some more things to say about it. Yeah, but the unleashed mode is basically just a big power boost. It's not super complicated. It does change up some of your moves. For example, when you do the dash attack, it's this sort of wide range. Both hands go to the sides, and it's just this kind of big hitbox, and you're moving forward. In the Unleashed mode, it's a more focused thing where Sonic just punches over and over again, and it does a ton of damage to one enemy. It's very interesting the way that it kind of changes your strategy in combat, but the problem with it is that, for one, you don't have it often enough that I think you'll experiment with it to a point where you'll be able to use it really effectively. I think that, for the most part, you'll just pop Unleashed mode and then just start mashing square and dealing more damage than you're used to, which is fine and all. But also, to use Unleash Mode, on the PS2, you have to hit two buttons at the same time. And I think that because it is not just a single button, you're a lot less inclined to do it. Because you're just going to forget that hitting both buttons activates it. So you'll be like, yeah. oh, I could really use Unleash Mode right now. Which button is that? And it's not one button, it's two. <laughs> I think for the Wii, it's the C button. Interesting. That is the least used button, I'd say. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> for the GameCube, it's the Y button. And I do remember that's one of the that's one of the tutorial like missions that it's just completely optional. So you can you can just never learn how to do it. Yeah, that mission is un- unlockable and optional, and so are every single one of the missions that is based on a move that you unlock instead of one that you start with. Oh yeah. Because you can also do a mission that teaches you that when you stun enemies with a dash attack, you can then grab them and throw them. That's not something that you get told when you unlock the move. Yeah. Which I think is fine. I, think I, it's okay. I prefer that to being forced through learning all of the like systems yeah. and also to necessarily having to find that out for yourself through experimentation. Like I like that you can be told if you don't want to explore. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know how many unlockable moves there are. I think there's at least one more that I don't have. But one of the later things that you get probably once you're to the third or fourth world is you get an extra little combo ender to each of your standard attacks. Like if you just mash square over and over again, there's one more thing at the end. And if you mash circle over and over again, there's one more thing at the end. And for square, that last thing is just a huge like hitbox in front of you where Sonic throws both his arms out to opposite sides and then just kind of claps or like claws, you know? And that ability will stun every enemy that it hits. Yeah. Which is crazy, because that's like combining <laughs> regular damage of a combo. It's good. Yeah, and then you also get to throw everything that you hit at the end. And because of this, I think that once you hit that point, the game actually kind of just encourages mashing square a lot. Yeah. For, yeah. For better or worse, especially since there are certain points where you're fighting so many enemies that trying to pin some of them down and then throw them at each other or just focus them doesn't work as well as just keeping your distance and then using your long range attacks to take out huge groups 
which is a problem that I think Dynasty Warriors and a lot of other hack and slash style games have. Uh, can I ask how far you got in the game? I got past Chunan night stages. I got through the Chunan day stages. I think the last thing I was at was uh, Holoska. Holska? What? How is it pronounced? Holoska. Yeah, I got to those day stages. Yeah, that's where I I finished like reuniting Holoska continent with the thing. Yeah. yeah. I think I think we all stopped at around the same place actually. Yeah. Um, I, I restored the third continent, but I didn't restore the second one. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. is It's a little silly. Um, but so I think once they introduce, like, gigantic enemies into the game, uh, your more focused attacks become a lot more meaningful. Because the first time they introduce you, which is where I, which is where I stopped, like, in our playthrough, but as a kid, uh, the first time they introduce you to the large enemy, you're fighting them one-on-one. Uh, but as a kid, I remember playing through when you get later in the game, they send you like two of those dudes plus a bunch of ads. And that's when like the decision of do I want to focus on a group or do I want to focus on one like individual bit uh, and your positioning relative to all of those guys like that. Those decisions become a lot more meaningful. Yeah, I'd say up until that point, they usually only throw one kind of enemy at you at a time. Yeah. And they do have different weaknesses and stuff, so there's a little bit of complexity to it, but most enemies are susceptible to just hitting the square button over and over again, and that may not be the fastest way to dispatch them, but it's definitely the most simple. And it's not until that third act of Chunan where they dump the big dude with the hammer on you that's the closest thing to a boss you've seen in a night stage that you suddenly have to think about what you're doing. Like, you're required to think about what you're doing. I think it's, like, I mean, as a kid, I didn't like it because I didn't like thinking about what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's me playing this game <laughs> <laughs> but but now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like yeah I can dodge attacks and then I'm gonna have to worry about multiple things at once but like in a way that's not entirely annoying like if I just had to worry about 80 ads yeah that's good I guess I don't think I ever in my talk about the combat mentioned that you can't block in this game and it's pretty effective I don't think there's a lot of attacks that are unblockable yeah, well, enemies can block too, and I haven't quite figured out how to get them to knock it off. But it's a dash attack. That's true. <laughs> You're right. But yeah, I think that when you get hit with that big dude and you're required to use your defensive skills, and you're the type of person that enjoys combat strategy at all, that's one of the first big moments in the game where you realize that the combat is a little better than it seemed. Yeah. But overall, I think the combat in this game is serviceable, but not exceptional in any capacity. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's a step above Dynasty Warriors and a step below God of War. Yeah. That, that feels about right. We, we should talk about the platforming in the night stages. Yeah, that's what I was about ready to get to. Did, do you guys want to say anything else about the combat? I, I would just like to say, partially to, to bridge the gap here, I think the, the combat, or, or I should say the platforming is the more interesting half of the night stages and also the more frustrating half. Yeah, just because it's yeah, it's more to deal with. Yeah. One thing I really liked is that certain times you can uh, use the platforming to just skip enemy spawn locations <laughs> so you don't have to deal with them. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Although I think that hurts your score, actually. It does because but... there are three sort of requirements to get an S rank in the night stages, which are different from the day stages where you only worry about time. 
But we'll... Yeah, it's like they took the scoring system of Sonic Adventure 2 and Sonic Heroes and whatnot and just split it into two. <laughs> and now I'm upset because I like them together. Well, I think they also do a better job at the end of Night Stages of telling you what you're actually supposed to do to get a quote-unquote good score. Yeah. Yeah, and Sonic's pretty good to tell you that you screwed up before you even see the rank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see his, like, sad face. And the the uh, orchestra plays off-key. That'll definitely be the outro for this episode, is the <laughs> you failed a stage but still finished it music. Oh my god, it's it's so like funny, like it's unpleasant to hear, but it's funny enough that it's enjoyable. It's like a good death animation. You're sad that you failed, but it's really funny to watch the thing happen. You know that there's like a like a Tumblr post or something that was like, what is that? I don't remember the name of the song, but the one that's like famously in 2001: A Space Odyssey. Uh, but it's played by people who are who are not very good at the instruments they're playing. And it's just like, like it sounds horrible and triumphant at the same time, and it's hilarious as a result. And I get the same vibe from the completing a stage poorly music. Yeah, it's like grand, but also, oops. <laughs> yeah, it's but really yeah, good. The The combat is one thing in the Night Stages, but the Night Stages are also these big 3D environments where you can peek around corners and you have a little mini-map to show you where the walls are. So you kind of get an idea of where some secrets might be just by seeing a spot on the mini-map that you haven't been to yet. And there are a lot of different tools you have to maneuver around this environment. Sonic's stretchy arms can be used by pressing R1, and that's how you grab items. You can hold R1 to carry the items and then hit X to throw them. But you can also hold an item and move it somewhere and then drop it by just letting go of R1 without pressing X. And you can also use R1 to cling to poles to either climb or do the, like vine or rope swinging animation where you don't you pendulum back and forth and then if you had x at the right time you get to go to a different spot and then i think the only other thing that you can maneuver around with the r1 button is these little i guess they're also poles it's all just poles <laughs> <laughs> they're the they're the like like pinwheel sticks yeah, you get to just point yourself in a direction and go that way on a wall like a climbing like wall like spinning along this along the pole oh there are also ledges that you can shoot your arms up to which basically it's like a replacement for most video games which just would have a ledge grabbing animation but in this case sonic can grab the ledge from pretty far away and he can yeah. also grab onto like charlie mentioned earlier there are some flying enemies that will occasionally take you places or just act as little nodes to sort of grapple from point to point on mm -hmm. and I if you find... use the oh go ahead no you, you go ahead and if you use these different maneuverability options really effectively, sometimes you can get to a spot that's a little harder to reach than usual, and they'll often place a question mark item, which is some of the collectibles we mentioned, like art or music. Or sometimes you'll just find a, like, box, not box, a capsule full of experience. Oh, yeah. Which, if you enjoy the combat at all, is a nice reward. I, I find that ledge grabbing is really frustrating a lot of the time. Really? Uh, do you, so because here's, here's why is because if you hit X before the prompt appears, like it doesn't happen, right? Which makes sense. Cause you're not like able, you're not close enough to grab it. But if you hit X when the prompt appears, the animation of Sonic grabbing the ledge plays while you continue to fall. 
and every single time I'm like, oh, I'm gonna die. Like, I'm gonna fall to my death before my hands reach this ledge and uh, I will perish. And then he grabs the ledge and like goes back up to it. And I'm like, all right, we're fine. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say was that I actually thought it was way more forgiving than most games would be. But I also, found it frustrating because I could tap never- it or did you hold it? I hold it. No, but I mean, when you mistime it, do you still hold it? Um, well, you have to hold it in order to to grab a ledge. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But when you said, like, you do it too early, it doesn't come out, right? Is what you said? Yeah, if you do it too early, it doesn't come out. But if I... like, If you're if holding I, it down, even when you do it too early, on the PS2 version, it still comes out. For... I, I remember like trying to to see if that was the case on the on the the Wii version and it was not the case. Like if I like, hold it down it's it's too late. I've already died. Like for me what I do is if I see a ledge I just start holding the R1 button and then no matter what whenever the prompt comes out Sonic's arms go out. That is that is often like what I do is being like, "Hey, can I press this button?" But uh sometimes that means that I just fall. So I have learned to try to time it. Did you see the prompt come up on those times when you would have fallen? Yes. And it didn't happen? Like, it, his arms didn't go out? Correct. That's wild, because for me, it was, if I was close enough, and I held R1, like, if as long as I hit R1 after I jumped, and I was still in the air, it was all just, like, a continuous thing that if I could grab onto something, he would. So I wonder if, like, the PS2 version is programmed differently in that way, then. I, I have no idea. Like, it's possible that I'm wrong about this and, like, the prompt... Because sometimes what'll happen is the prompt will show up and it'll go away immediately. And you'll be like, what happened? And you just don't get to grab anything. So, like, sometimes it's possible that that's what happened. I have a note in my notes. <laughs> I don't know a better way to phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is just the ledge grabbing and R1 mechanic in general seems incredibly forgiving. It feels really stressful, though. I am never confident that I will grab anything. See, I yeah. I felt the opposite because I've played games like this that are, you know, 3D pseudo-platformers where the mechanics are not traditional platforming, but they still demand some traditional platforming from you, and it's incredibly unforgiving. But in this case, other than one specific spot in Junan that we can talk about in a second, I felt like every platforming sort of Dude, challenge... Dude, Chunan. Like... <laughs> yeah, Chunan is bad. I'm not gonna try and defend it. Well, but and, I, I, felt and like... I think, like, I think we stopped playing right before the, the difficulty curve really picked up, because I remember... I remember the game feeling really hard as a kid, like, in at, later in the game. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is just I'm a child and I'm not good at video games. Yeah. But, you know... Uh, I remember the feelings of unfairness being like, oh, this, if it weren't for this, I would I would be having a better time. Yeah, I think that before Chunan, you are not given any platforming challenges that would kill you if you fail them. Yeah. At the most, they would hurt you. And honestly, dying in this game isn't too bad either, like, unless it's your last life, you know. Yeah. There's not a huge penalty for it. But I do think that in Chunan, there's a spot where it's just circular platforms that are only a little bit bigger than the Werehog himself. And the momentum for jumping in the night stages is the weirdest damn thing. Yeah. It's like if you're moving and then you jump, you move at that speed maybe a little bit slower. And then if you double jump, almost all of your momentum is just gone. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like the physics for jumping and the way momentum works actually change when you are doing 
a platforming challenge. Like, there's a pond in the Chunan stage, which is based on China, so you're at this sort of Chinese castle, and then outside is a pond with, like, rocks sticking up out of it, and those circular rocks are your platforms. I feel like you are... Your jumping arcs actually change when you're above that pond and doing that platforming challenge. I definitely noticed your movement changes, because if you're not doing a platform challenge... Sonic will, like, when you're just walking normally and you're not dashing, Sonic will walk for a bit and then he'll start to jog. Yeah. Uh, so there will be sort of like this two stages of speed and acceleration between them. Uh, but during this platform challenge, that did not happen. And I know it. I, the reason that did not happen is because it would completely screw over your, like, platforming if you yeah. suddenly changed speed. Um, and so, like... Hearing, hearing the idea that, like, your jump arc changes, that's also probably true. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but I was trying my hardest to find all the secrets, so I got really used to the way jumping works in this game, <laughs> and how dash yeah. jumping and regular jumping are two very different things, yep. and now there's, like, a third kind of jumping that is specific to the hardest jumping challenges in the game. Yeah. Like dash jump? Well, no, there's it's a, it's a middle ground. I think that there is a... There is jumping and then double jumping for your regular movement speed. There is the jogging that Isaiah talked about that you can't do on your own. You have to just walk forward a little bit. And then that has a different first jump and the same second jump as, you know, the walking one. And then dashing your first jump gives you even more distance. So there's sort of three Mm -hmm. ranges for jumping. And then the middle jump, the middle jump is always a halted momentum. It's almost only for verticality rather than moving further. I also find that, like, uh, and and I I felt this way in in Sonic Colors, too, which is obviously a couple episodes down the road, but I find that the second jump is for, like, correcting your momentum a lot of the time. See, that's what I thought, right? And that's how it works during the regular gameplay, but (laughs) when you're over the pond, my experience is that the first jump is, you know, it's one thing. It's the way it is when you're walking and you jump during regular gameplay. And if you dash and you jump, because you can't dash over the pond. You just can't ever get to that jog state. You have to purposefully choose to start dashing, you know? Yeah. But the second jump felt like it took you further than it normally would during that platforming segment. Yeah, that I definitely felt that. And that felt super fucked to me because I was trying to use my second jump to correct. But what would happen is I would jump to a platform and I'd be like, oh, I'm a little too far on the right. So I would double jump and then try to adjust the opposite way and shoot myself off the other edge of the platform. You'd overcorrect. Like, I completely, like, I'm there with you. (laughs) Like, It felt like it was designed perfectly for the kind of bad platforming this mode has, but it feels like they changed the design for the hardest parts. It's Well, because I, I think the reason is there are a couple jumps in that stage where I feel like one jump is not necessarily enough. Like, if I jump a little well, too yeah, early, for sure. that course. jump's not going to be enough. So you need the momentum uh, worth of two jumps. And I'm sure there are stages later in the game where it's like, yeah, you j- you got to use both jumps. Screw you. Well, I mean, I'm sure that there are ones where you have to use both jumps, but I don't think there's ever one where you would have to use both jumps and the second one had to be just as far as the first jump. That's true. I feel like it. it's weird to me that they change the way the jump arcs work. For yeah. just those segments, and it's not surface. Like if Sonic had, or Werehog rather, had like a different animation for when he's on the, like oh you know what I would do? I just realized this. 
I would make those segments just top down. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know how Crash Bandicoot will change the camera based on kind of the focus of the gameplay for a particular section? Right. If they just made the camera top down, then changing your jump arc wouldn't be as noticeable, and it would also be easier to tell where you're going to end up when you fall. Yeah, that would fix everything. Yeah. Wild. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we solved it. We yeah. solved Sonic Unleashed, everybody. But yeah, so I'd say that overall, the Night Sages have okay combat and less than comfortable platforming, but I think that up until Chunan, the platforming feels serviceable, just like the combat does. Yeah. And the exploration felt rewarding to me. I felt like grabbing the little items, I always felt smart for finding them, or clever at least. Yeah. Yeah. And then grabbing the experience orbs always felt cool, because they have a nice little animation where they fall down, and then they all get sucked into Sonic. Yeah. And I also actually really enjoy his running animation, like the tap mm-hmm. the forward Yeah, twice. me too. His arms sort of flop in front of him, and he like pulls himself forward in this kind of way more animalistic way than we're used to seeing Sonic run. Yeah. And it's also a little more unwieldy than the regular Sonic running. Like, if you try to turn, he'll skid a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of feels fun because you're just, like, wrecking shop down the road, you know? I am consistently terrified to run during platform sections. Like, in Chunan, I was like, no running in the lobby. Like, yeah, I will required. die. <laughs> because you have exactly enough control that I'm like, I'm going to run, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to head straight first for the edge of this cliff. <laughs> no running in the lobby. Mr. Mosby will kill you. That's true. <laughs> Mr. Mosby versus the Werehog. <laughs> I'd, I'd pay to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I'd say overall, I enjoyed the Night Stages. I don't think they were the best, but I certainly think they were serviceable is the way I would put it. Yeah. They are my favorite part of this version of the game. My my problem is, is that since they're half of the game, I don't think serviceable is like enough. If, like, for me, I would rather twice the amount of day stages, you know? I would say that the finding secrets inside of those stages was fun enough that I didn't mind doing things to get from secret to secret, is the way I would put it. Yeah. It felt like it felt like a PS2 game, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it definitely was, so that makes sense. It certainly felt like a Wii game. <laughs> but, Charlie, I'm interested, because you said that the night stages were your favorite part. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like you were also complaining that there were too many night stages. It's Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, you're you're right, but, like, the day stages didn't leave enough of an impression on me that I played the night ones. I'm like, wow, there's so many of these, but you know what? I am having some fun with them. So do you think that your opinion just shifted over your course of time with the game? I guess, yeah. I just wish they would have made more day stages. I wish but, it were an even split, I think, would be fine. But I guess we said the same thing about Sonic Adventure 2, haven't we? <laughs> well, I think in Sonic Adventure 2, you get two-thirds of the stages are good, and one-third is absolute unmitigated garbage. <laughs> and it's a very different vibe from this game, because this game is half of the stages, or like a third of the stages are, in my opinion, really, really good, and two-thirds of them are... I at no point felt inclined to stop playing because of a night stage, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. And I felt that I was rewarded enough by finding the secret items and getting an S rank at the end and getting medals that, like, like when I say serviceable, I don't mean meh. I mean, like, I would qualify it as fun, but it's not something I would choose to do if I weren't already playing the game, I guess. Yeah. It's, like, the Tails stages and Eggman stages and Sonic Adventure 2 make me want to stop playing the game. All right. 
but the Knuckles stages in Sonic Adventure 2, like, a lot of them are just serviceable, but they do not in any way make me want to quit. And then the Sonic stages in Sonic Adventure 2 are what I consider fun. So I guess, like, Sonic Unleashed to me is if you took every Tails and Eggman stage in Sonic Adventure 2 and replaced them with just more Knuckles and Roo stages. Alright, I'll accept that. Because I think that you took serviceable to mean, like, not fun. I mean, I don't I don't think they're they're not fun. I think they're just like exactly fun enough that I would rather something else, but like you know you know, like I'll continue playing the game. Yeah, I mean like I want every video game to be a sequel to Jet Set, but I can't have that. So I have like, to take serviceable. <laughs> I've I've joked throughout the course of like preparing for this game where like every time I see the continue playing prompt where it'll it'll ask you every couple stages if you want to continue or if you want to quit. Uh, like every time I see that prompt, I have to think really hard about it. Yeah, see that implies that you don't think the night stages are serviceable. That to me implies that you think they're a a chore. But I always hit yes. Like, <laughs> which brings us back to Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I do really like the way night stages are ranked. Uh, can we talk about that? Yeah, I think that we're about ready to. There are three sort of tasks, and they're always the same tasks, but there are different benchmarks that you have to accomplish during each night stage. The first one is a timer, just like the day stages. There's a certain amount of time you have to accomplish the level. And then if you get, you know, if you take longer than that, you don't get basically a point for that benchmark. And then there is a minimum amount of rings that you have to collect. And we haven't talked much about rings in the night stages because they're not super important. But the way it works is if you take damage, you can pick up some rings to heal a lot like the mech stages. Or Gamma in... Wait, does Gamma have that in... No, he just goes by rings. That's so weird. Okay, then it's only like the <laughs> mech stages in Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> where rings will heal you if you, you know, pick up enough. But Yeah, but there, like, is no ring count. Yeah, there, there is no ring count in this game until you get to the end of the stage. Where it's secretly been tracking how many rings you picked up. <laughs> those sneaky bastards <laughs> the whole and then they're also like you know there are strings of rings like in most Sonic games but then there are a lot of these big rings that have a 10 or a 20 on them and they just are basically like health packs in any traditional combat game they are usually in or around a combat area where you may have taken some damage and you want to heal up for the next one but they can also be found in some of the secret areas along with the question mark capsules and the experience point capsules. So they're kind of fun to collect and they make the nice ring sound. And you usually have to collect about 120 to 200 in a level to get that sort of metal or that benchmark. And then the third one is Dark Gaia Force collected. And like I said before, you can get that through a couple of ways by defeating enemies or by destroying items in the environment. And then you also get them from those secret capsules but I'm not sure if that factors into the end level total, because those don't come back if you play the level again. If you go to the same secret spot where really? you found an experience capsule, yeah. It'll instead oh, have no. it'll instead have like unleashed force or whatever. Like it'll fill up your MP meter. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if those factor into the end level goal. But I do know that I went through a level once and got all the secrets, and then I was easily able to get the like necessary amount of Dark Gaia Force to accomplish that goal. Alright. And when you go through a night stage, at the end you have an opportunity to get to get up to three medals, and there is one medal for each goal. So if you beat it in the right amount of time, you get the first medal. If you collect enough rings, you get the second. 
And if you defeated enough enemies or whatever, you get the third. So you can actually go through on three separate run. One, okay. You can go through three separate runs to get one individual medal each time. So you would always get like a C or a B or whatever for the level, but you can still accomplish everything for completion's sake. Yeah. But the way that you get an S rank in these stages is by accomplishing all three goals in one run. I, I really like this system because it makes completion like pleasant. Like, I, I, I feel like uh, the day stages are about replaying the stage over and over until you get it perfectly. And that's why in order to get all three medals for day stages, you have to get an S rank. There's only one objective. It's a matter of how well you do it. Yeah. And at lower grades, you'll get fewer medals. Uh, whereas the night stages is is about completing multiple objectives like individually, and you can do them all at once, or you can do them separately. And so there's effectively a finite amount of times you'll be replaying those stages. Yeah. But they're generally longer stages uh, that encompass like more things. I also enjoy that because the opportunity to replay it and only focus on one specific thing. Is present it makes it so that a person who is less used to that gameplay can still complete the game oh yeah whereas with something like a devil may cry or a beautiful joe is another one where you have to get these letter ranks to unlock things in the game it's very there's like a very high skill ceiling and if you don't get up to that like you just can't enjoy the full breadth of what the game has to offer so those games feel like they're aimed at people who are already experienced with combat focused games Whereas this game feels like it's aimed at Sonic players. Which it is. Yeah, well, and I, <laughs> that's, to me, it does a better job than, like, the mech stages or some of the weirder gameplay elements in Sonic Adventure of onboarding Sonic players. Yeah. Because the tasks that you have to complete to get A's for Eggman and Tails are obscene. <laughs> and they're not even, like, made clear to you the way that Sonic Unleashed does, where it'll show you at the end of the level, hey, these are the three things that you needed to do if you wanted to get all three medals. It's... At the end of a Tails stage, there's an arbitrary number on the screen. If that number isn't high enough, you just lose. <laughs> and I don't think that, you know, one gameplay style is objectively better than the other. But I do think that this gameplay style is more encouraging to newer players. Yeah. So are we, uh... Di we did thumbs for day stages, yeah? Yeah. We should do uh, thumbs for, for night stages. Yeah, so thumbs up, thumbs down. The Werehog. Thumbs up. I'm thumbs down. I'm thumbs up. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I I was I'm I'm surprised to hear Charlie that you're thumbs up on the night stages, but not disappointed. For the record, I'm I'm it's it's good to hear that. What do you think was the weakest part, Isaiah? Because my assumption would be the platforming. Definitely the well, I, it's it's tricky because I don't think the combat is that fun, and I think it's it's made less fun by the fact that there are only two combat songs. One for, it's time for combat, and one for, okay, it's time for serious combat, which you only hear the first time. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna hear that. That's like 50% of what you're hearing during night stages, and that is kind of frustrating. I think the it, problem is not the lack of song variety, but the fact that the one song is not like a hardcore bop. <laughs> It's it's a little bit of a bop, but not really. And, and and the other thing is like, the combat is a little bit monotonous, and the fact that there's only one song for combat just reinforces that. Like it just makes you feel 
even more like you're doing the same thing every time combat happens. Yeah. You know? What I'm suggesting is let's make a mod of Sonic Unleashed where the Devil May Cry 4 fight song plays whenever you get into an encounter, <laughs> and I think you'll lose that issue with the game. <laughs> that's fair. Oh, uh, what a good song. But yeah, I, I think I think there's that's a component, and then also the fact that uh, platforming just stresses me out a lot of the time. <laughs> Which is, I think it's kind of weird, the idea that it would stress you out, because I think it's not that punishing, it's just kind of annoying. Yeah. It's definitely more annoying. I will yeah. say, whenever you fall to your death, Sonic just screams in terror. Oh yeah, it's like the Shadow the Hedgehog thing. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of saying, damn not here, he's like... <laughs> like it's it, he you can hear in his voice that he knows he is going to die yeah. right now shadow screams like that sometimes i think he, he has like he, a few different death ones he did in 06 didn't he i don't yeah, know but he would just scream no with conviction like it's it's that same energy but like not nearly <laughs> as hilarious yeah but i do think that especially if you were picking up the one-up power-ups which we'll talk about in a little bit dying does not feel like that big of a deal wait are we yeah. still not done no we're yeah, not we, done we have to talk we, about the gaia gates yeah we go gotta talk about the the gaia temples take it away as a yeah so so Just when you thought this wouldn't get any longer than sonic adventure 2 battle <laughs> yeah and then there's a part two where we played this game a second time <laughs> that one better be short uh we'll see i i imagine we'll have a lot of things to say but we'll get there so when you're first entering stages, you go through a Gaia temple, which is uh, located in the town map, but then it takes you to sort of like, it's like a, a tiny hub. Um, and it's a lot most... of like a Crash Bandicoot hub, actually. Yeah. And yeah, a lot well, of the okay. time... Wrath of Cortex. I don't actually know about the other Crash Bandicoot <laughs> games. A lot of the time you'll just be... <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I, I ran out of water because we've been doing this for a long time. I have yet to run out of cake. Well, your life is better than mine. Well, then maybe you should share some. <laughs> a lot of the time, you'll be entering the place and then just walking forward and going to the main stage section. In fact, that'll be what you're doing most of the time. But there are uh, doors on the side that will glow if they're unlocked. And you unlock them by collecting enough sun medals and moon medals, uh, which can be... Each, each type of metal are unlockable through day stages and night stages, uh, but not it's, in the way you would think it would be. It's the yeah. opposite way. <laughs> it's so weird. Day stages, you get moon medals, and night stages, you get sun medals, which was an intentional choice, but I don't understand the reason. Uh, but Yeah, I, I have no idea. Uh, inside those doors are generally some kind of challenge of some kind. I think we should, before we talk about that, make one more note that you get three medals for each S rank you get in a day stage, and you get a medal for each task you accomplish in a night stage. And then there are also individual missions that allow you to gain a singular medal. And I think for the night stage, that's just a, that's just the tutorials. But for day stages, there's like tiny snippets of each level with a weird task that you can do to get extra medals, and that's how they kind of pad out the day gameplay. Yeah. It's the the day stages extra missions actually remind me a lot of the like the missions in Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah, I was feeling the same thing. Even down to the idea that they help teach you about different parts of the level. Yeah, for sure. Um 
Uh, but so, uh, in, inside those doors are like small challenges. I, I think it's like a lot of times a mix between like a puzzle challenge and a platforming challenge. Almost always the Werehog. I think there's only one Gaia Temple where you are uh, the Sonic the the Hedgehog. Although <laughs> where I, you are the Hedgehog. <laughs> I think it's been a while since I have... Like, uh, this, is, this is memory from what it was like as a child. I'm pretty sure there are bits where you walk through the door and it's like daytime inside that room. So you become hedgehog form again for, I for only, challenge purposes i only went through about four i think but in all of them even if you're regular sonic in the temple when you go into the secret room it turns you into werehog and you have to find light beams to turn you into sonic oh interesting yeah it's 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 been it's been a hot minute but uh these you can unlock more unlockables uh but also in some of them you can unlock extra lives and the way lives work in this game is that you don't have a finite amount of lives you're trying to accumulate over the course of the playthrough like you typically do in a platformer, but instead, every time you enter a stage, you have a certain amount of lives. Like, it's... Uh, think of, You could think about it like max HP. Yeah, it's a lot more like HP or... The thing I would compare it to, and I think I already mentioned this, but it's like fairies from Zelda. Yeah. Uh, so you just get a bottle every time you go into one of these secret challenge rooms. And it's it's really stressful to to have two lives to start with when you're like in Chunan, uh and and especially if you go later. Uh but if you return to Gaia Temples and get more lives, then you can mitigate the difficulty of later stages by a lot. Yeah, I had six going into the Act Three night of Chunan. Yeah. I, I love this system of increasing the amount of lives, uh, especially through optional content, uh, because, and I, I think this game doesn't really, it doesn't tell you, and I kind of wish it did, but I also kind of like that it doesn't feel like it has to, uh, but yeah, I like the bit of, hey, I'm having difficulty in this stage, what do I do? Well, I'm going to complete earlier missions, get more medals, and then get more max lives, and then yeah. I'm going to go try again. I think it's a very valid reward for the effort that is gameplay-focused and not extra-focused. Yeah. And it's cool that it applies to both day and night stages. It should be noted that you cannot get extra lives by collecting 100 rings, though, which weirded me out at first. <laughs> See, I, like, didn't even notice that I wasn't getting extra lives from 1-ups. Or from, from 100 rings. That's really what I called 100 rings was 1-ups. Yeah. Then it should have <laughs> surprised me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like it's pretty baked into our brains to hear, like, the one-up jingle when you get 100. Yeah. But I guess you're so focused on, like, the other things going on in the day stage that you aren't checking that. I'm, like, not even looking yeah. at that part of the screen. I'm just like, well, I'm playing a game. I remember <laughs> at one point looking down at the bottom of the screen and being like, I have 350 rings? Yeah, because, like, the ring count doesn't matter. It's just grabbing them that matters. Yeah. The ring count kind of matters for leveling up, but that's... You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that matters is that you should get as many as possible. So, do you guys think that the little gates are enough to encourage you to do some of the more completion-oriented aspects of the game? Like replaying levels and focusing on those goals? Yes. You mean like going to the gates themselves? No, I mean accruing medals. Do you feel like the medals are worth earning in order to open those doors? Yeah. It's definitely not like a... a 
perfect equivalence, but for some reason, when I when you told me about that, it made me think of the the late game doors in Banjo Kazooie, where you could just get unlimited items. Yeah, I definitely see that comparison. I think it's, in this game, it's almost done a little bit better because it's so incremental. You're well, it's incremental, to... and it's not at the very end of the game. Yeah, 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 exactly. I wish it was easier to know how many medals I needed without needing to walk up and then have the game pause and have Chip slowly fly onto the screen yeah. and tell me how many medals I needed. It'd be nice if instead of having the moon and the sun, they just had a blue, like, outlined number. Yeah. Although one thing that I do think is cool is that... Did you notice that the doors actually each have slightly different images on them? Uh, I did not. So, on a door that requires very few metals to open, the sun and moon will be aligned perfectly vertically, and they'll be kind of small on the door. And if it requires a few more, like maybe in the 50s range and up, the sun and the moon will be bigger, and they'll be offset a little bit, so the moon will be to the top left and the sun will be to the bottom right. And then if they are very late game and they require a ton of metals, the moon and sun will be really big, so big that they don't actually fit on the door. So you'll see, like, a section of the sun and the moon, and they'll be taking up the entirety of the bottom left and right corners. Alright, I'm a fan of that. And along with that, the closer you get to accruing the necessary amount of one of the kinds of metals, the brighter that icon will be. So if you have a ton of, of sun metals, but not as many moon metals, sun doors will or, like, the sun and moon doors will have a brighter sun than moon. All right. So there are little cues. I don't think they're perfect, but I do think that there's some nice art to go along with that, so you can quickly see if a door is ready to be opened or not, because if it is ready, they'll both be glowing a lot. All right. See, see, this is incredible, but, like, you go to Gaia Temples... Like, you're so disincentivized from going to Gaia Temples because it's, like, an extra screen before you can get to stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I honestly thought they were just entrances to more stages before I realized that, oh, you're going to do three stages in a row now. Yeah. yeah. It's very weird because I'm so used to seeing the usual level hubs for the other version of the game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think this is one of the lumpier aspects of the game, just in terms of conveyance, I guess. Yeah. Like, I like the reward system, but <laughs> you're definitely right. The conveyance is lumpy. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just really weird. Yeah, like I also na- oh. like once you know all of this stuff, you're like, all right, so I know what to look out for. But like until then, you're kind of just in the dark. Yeah, for sure. Also, and you're a werehog. <laughs> oh my god. Also, there are rooms in every single Gaia temple that have teleporters to each other Gaia temple you can go to, but it's really obscured which one you're going to because the platforms don't have names or anything they don't have yeah, numbers on them labeled the the only way you can tell is that they have a colorful pattern on the bottom but some of the colors even look similar like there are two blues and i think there were two purples so you just have to kind of memorize the weird language of the game in order to figure out which one takes you where and that does help you avoid loading screens but it's so kind of obfuscated again that you're not really encouraged to use that mechanic yeah even though loading screen avoidance is ideal. <laughs> All right, is is there anything else that that we missed? The only other thing that I kind of want to talk about is Chip, but if you want to cut it off here cuz this episode is already super long, we can. Yeah, I think we'll we'll talk about Chip next time. Thumbs right. up, thumbs down this version of the game. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up.
Oh my god. You can follow the podcast on Twitter <laughs> at no spin dash zone. You can sometimes see a stream at twitch.tv slash no spin dash zone. You can email us at no spin dash zone at gmail.com. You can follow me at Draws Charlie where I draw stuff. I still have commissions open, uh, but I'm being lazy with them, so I'm very sorry. Uh, Isaiah, take it away. You can follow me at Isaiah Games on Twitter. That's I S I A H Games. And Join us next time. Where? Oh, sorry. Did you want to finish? Your no, pitch? that's that's it. Join us next time. Join we're us next time chip. where we talk about chip. That we're was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Do you want some HD chocolate? Sonic? I'm going to be really angry. <laughs> HD stands for heavily dangry. Disdain. Disonic. <laughs> Disdain Dis- is Sonic. much better. <laughs> it heavily Disonic. Or HD stands for heavy D from the SNK games. <laughs> It's not delivery. <laughs> HD it's Sonic stands for how you doing. <laughs> Spinulator. Spinulator. We'd like to thank the LAG Network for making our episodes available on platforms like iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and lots more. If you're listening on YouTube and you'd like to keep up with our episodes on one of these audio platforms, just search for the LAG Radio Network and follow their feed.